By the time you hear this podcast, you will be polite enough to excuse yourself before you spontaneously combust. to by the time you hear this podcast i'm greg i'm ben and we are back with another episode and it's the first one with ben as a married man don't don't tell no man hey what's up hey all right well they if they listen to episode 112 <laughs> i feel like already uh, know i feel like jimmy and that thing you do it's like careful girls <laughs> <laughs> Careful, girls. He's married. And just for some reason, he just is like he knew. He had this look on his face like he knew what the caption said. <laughs> well, he could see it, right? Yeah. You know oh, he saw the monitor. He saw oh. the monitor. That's why he reacted that way, because he saw it. I yeah. didn't know that. Huh. That makes sense now. I should have trusted Tom Hanks to not do something stupid. I'm sorry, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. That makes so much more sense, and I'm going to go back and watch that. Yeah. So this is episode 114. Whoop, whoop. And what's the significance of the number 114? Um, Maybe there's a road. Um, um, I don't know. I'm looking. And... Well, it is the um, fire emergency number in Vietnam. Okay. Okay. It is the police non-emergency number. In Denmark and Germany, so hmm. if you need to call the police, but it's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's the maximum number of points a team can score in one season in the Premier League. Okay. Hmm. There is Route 114 in Georgia, Georgia State Route 114, um, that looks like it is in Chattooga County, which is like nowhere Georgia, so not that important, but hey, you know, not to insult anybody that lives there that's listening. You're all important people in our eyes. Yeah, but Chattooga County is like, what city is this? Somerville? Yeah, that's somewhere I'll never go. It's like north, uh, 
northwest Georgia, right on the border of Alabama. Okay. Yeah. So there's the significance of 114 because we're out of jersey numbers. Um, oh, yeah. We're, we're in marathon numbers now, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peace to your road race numbers. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to everyone who's listened so far. I know we've taken a long time off, about a month or maybe longer. It might have been like six weeks. I don't know. But um, we we are back with a new episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, we don't have the uh, band is not planning a wedding anymore. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little hair there at the end. <laughs> um, and uh, of course, if people want, if you want to tell somebody about this podcast and where you can find us, we're on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. We are also will be eventually updating the website by the time you hear this dot com. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. One day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, both of those, the URL for Facebook and the website are uh, by the time you hear this spelled while you. If you want to get with us on Instagram, we're on IG at by the time you hear this uh, spelled with the letter U because we're urban. Yes. Yes, we are. And that's also the same spelling for our email address. By the time you hear this at gmail.com, send us your comments, questions, concerns, show ideas. And if you're an independent artist, we'll play your music for absolutely free. And uh, if you want to listen to us on the go um, in podcast form, because that's what this is. <laughs> and you want to avoid the uh, the busker on the train or the annoying coworker um, who says that the Falcons are going to be fine. Even hey. though Matt Ryan threw three interceptions, he hey. still won the game. Yeah, that's all that matters. We got the W. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, got but the W. Want to avoid the uh, Falcons fan uh, talking your ear off in the office? You can listen to us uh, on the Apple Podcast app if you have an iPhone, the Google uh, Music app, or if there's a Google Podcast app out there. Someone said that there is. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so so it, it's out there. It, on Google something. <laughs> <laughs> We're also on other apps such as uh, TuneIn, Auto Radio, Castbox, Overcast, Play.fm, and of course we're on the Fi. Yeah, yeah. That's Spotify. Yeah, for those of you who are not <laughs> up to date. <laughs> so uh, many different uh, avenues in which you can listen to us. So we have a guest. He's been on here before. Uh, way, way way back in the early days of this podcast. Well, he's been on more recently, too, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. The Fire Festival. Yes. And I think even one after that, wasn't it? No, I don't think the, that oh, was. Oh, the, the 100th episode. Oh, yeah, that one, too. I thought that was before the, I thought that was after the Fire Festival episode. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, you, <laughs> that was the, the, the greatest hits. I think I'm around four or five. Yeah. I think. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for He's a while been here, a few times. For a while, he had the most pop, the most downloaded episode. Yeah. About power trios. And we, oh, we yeah. thought he was spamming. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. <laughs> but we have uh, Matt G. Hello. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, um, what we like to ask uh, anyone we have on it as a guest is, um, what music have you been listening to lately? Uh, disappointingly, the new Three Eleven album. It's not that good. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're ashamed of it. Like, don't be ashamed. But uh, I mean, I'll, I'll defend that band till the day I die. But this album's kind of, eh, kind of garbage a little bit. It sucks. Do you but, think that happens? Like, if you if it's a band that you're a fan of, and you know you've listened to many of their albums, and 
I mean, would a could you use the this album, this current album, as an example for if you were trying to um, introduce Three Eleven to someone? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, what what is so? What has changed? I, I, like, just I'm not as familiar with Three Eleven. I only know that one song that you probably hate. Um, uh, there's very few songs I actually hate that they do. So, oh, okay. Let me, is it Amber? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, see, I, I, I like Amber. Uh, I know a lot of their fans hate that song now, but I still like it. But uh, what has um, what's different from all from all the stuff you've heard by them? What's different now to where it's it's not that impressionable? Uh, so the biggest change that I would say is the last couple albums they have actually delved into outside writers more than they used to actually probably I don't know that they've ever really looked for outside writers up until these last two albums funny enough the one that they keep going back to is I can't remember his first name they call him Feldy Feldman is his last name but he I believe is the lead singer of Goldfinger and he writes a lot of songs so now you have a group of 50-year-old dudes still trying to write a top 40 hit. They're chasing Amber again, still. These oh, last wow. two albums, they are chasing another top 40 hit, and it's painfully obvious. So that's, that's... the biggest difference for me. Is hmm. These last two is, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know? Looking for that one last score. John Feldman? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So... Um. So yeah, well that that concludes uh what have you been listening to that <laughs> segment of the podcast. Whoa. <laughs> they got um Evan Bogart, Evan the Kid Bogart on here on a song. Which song? Uh Born to Live. Oh. I don't mm. I don't recall who that is. Evan the Kid Bogart was um he uh he wrote or he wrote on um Halo with Ryan Tedder. He wrote a um what else has he written? I think he wrote part of uh um, God, that other song that um, Jordan Sparks did, but yeah, he was he. Battlefield. I think he was a writer on Battlefield too. But I that was that show that I auditioned for. That he was the um the writing camp is the name of his group, and I actually met him. He's a nice guy. But yeah, he yeah if they're going for him, yeah then yeah they're really trying to chase because yeah. that is a straight oh it girl Jason Derulo he wrote that too. Yeah, if they if they got with him, oh they're really chasing. Yes, they like are. that's that's the, that's one of the is people. It, is it possible if they're in their forties and fifties now? If the, I would say it would have been possible if they were this age doing this like ten to fifteen years ago, because like kind of what we were talking about earlier, I don't feel like the audience that those songs are shooting for has any interest in older artists, regardless of yeah. how that song sounds. They're just gonna be like oh, a bunch of old dudes. Like no yeah. thanks. Um. I'm not going to use that as a segue. Um, <laughs> so we have some music news. Uh, the we'll start with we had a couple of um, of uh, passings. Uh, the lead singer, uh, founder, uh, rhythm guitarist, and primary primary songwriter of the Cars, yeah. Rico Kasich, uh, passed away, um, and it looks like. Uh, he he was seventy. He was seventy five years old. Um, passed from hypertensive and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Holy crap! Um, pulmonary emphysema was wow. a contributing factor 
in his death. And uh, he had just had, uh, I saw something where he just had surgery. Um, I don't know what kind of surgery, but he was um, passed away at age 75. Uh, for people who, you know, follow 80s music, um, this they were one of the first major, uh, the early days of MTV, mm -hmm, one of the first mm -hmm. major stars as far as like their videos were. Um, you could say must see, yep. must watch. Uh, pretty inventive. Um, I believe they are the Cars um, one video of the year for you might think um, over Thriller. Oh wow! I didn't know that. And know that uh, you might think is is known for Rico Kasich being a fly. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> uh, mostly forgotten in the uh, uh, the most the greatest music videos ever made. But hey, they beat Michael Jackson. <laughs> I have <laughs> noticed, unfortunately, they don't get as they don't they're a little forgotten. The Cars. Yeah. Um, just last year, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think like after. Uh, what was it? The album that had, uh, you might think, Heartbeat City, which mm -hmm. also had the single Drive on it, in which the there was another guy who sang lead. Ben, on that yeah, one. Ben Orr, um, bass player, who was also dead. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's because uh, when did he die? I think he died a long time ago, though. Uh, he died in two thousand. Have you heard the Deftones cover of that song? Yeah, it's a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's kind of creepy. I love the song though, but it's you know it's yeah, but yeah, Benjamin Orr because he also he was also the singer on um, their other big hit. Um, I don't mind you coming here. Just what I needed. Mm. Yeah, he sung on that one too. So, um, but and I believe in both cases, uh, Rico Kasich wrote both songs. Um, yes. Drive, he, well, or wrote Drive. I think he might have wrote the other one, though. No, he wrote Drive, too. Oh, okay. He's credited as the only oh, songwriter. Oh, yeah, duh. I was looking at vocals, my bad. Yes, Rico Kasich did write them, because Rico Kasich is a genius. So, um, that's all That's all I have on Rico Kasich. Uh, he's mm -hmm. also, he was known for the, um, also for his, his wife, uh, because of how she looks in comparison to him. <laughs> well, they said he, uh, <laughs> he dated up. Uh, Paulina Poroskova, the supermodel. She yeah. was in the video for Drive, and that's when they met. Oh, nice. Um, hmm. She was 19, and he was 40. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, they had separated last year, um, but there was no official divorce or anything. Uh, um, hmm. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace to Rick Ocasek. Um, and a lot of people may define him as the the you know the the face or the voice of the new wave movement. Um, I like I said, I look at him as an early star of MTV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, any any other thoughts, gentlemen? No, I think wrapped up pretty well. Set yeah. up there. 
Um, in another passing, another uh, another uh, artist who had uh, their heyday in the 70s and 80s, um, Eddie Money, born Eddie Mahoney, has been yeah. said. <laughs> um, Just always thought that was funny. He uh, passed away um, on the 13th, so that was Friday, just this past Friday, yeah. of uh, esophageal cancer at the age of 70. Didn't even know he had cancer. Which I is, didn't either. Yeah. Um, he is, uh, no, he had, of course, the solo career, but he's also the, was the, uh, was he the lead singer of Asia? Was he in Asia or am I thinking somebody else? Um, I don't know. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he was always solo. I can't spell Asia. Yeah, I don't see I don't see that anywhere in his bio. Okay. It was the longest time I thought he was the lead singer of Asia and then went solo. No, I think he was always solo. All right. Um well he uh coming out of the um started performing in the San Francisco area. Uh his one of his major hits is Two Tickets to Paradise, which was used like interestingly in a commercial. It was like if Eddie Mahoney <laughs> If Eddie Money, <laughs> hey, this is real thing. This is government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Eddie Money had a travel agency, yeah, that's what it would be called. That was a Geico commercial, right? I, I, it was something like that. I yeah. think it was, yeah. Um, and also he had the song uh, "Take Me Home Tonight." Oh yeah. Uh, which for anyone who has seen um, MacGruber, <laughs> it is featured prominently is it, in MacGruber. I God, I haven't seen yeah. that movie in so long. I haven't uh, seen it since theaters, I think. Yeah, I think that might be the last time I saw it. <laughs> and it's the uh, it was used as the name of the movie with yeah. Topher Grace and who was it that? Anna Ferris. Was uh, it that her name? She was in uh scary movie. The Anna Ferris? Yeah, Anna Ferris. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I, I can't remember if I had her um, last name The right. ex-wife of Chris Pratt? No. Yeah. That's where they met. They actually met while filming that movie. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Huh. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, uh, those are the two songs that I know him for. That's the only two I know him for. (laughs) I know um, Walk on Water. There's a quiet Shake It. There was um, Baby Hold On to Me. That was a good one. yeah, I said Walk on Water already, right? Yeah. yeah I think those are the, the ones I knew. Um, I remember the song Shaken. It yeah. had a, um, there was this CD uh, that I got at a local library. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like VH1 rocks the 80s or something like that. Yeah. And it had that song on there. I had never heard, I had never heard it before. Um, but it also had like Yes and The Cars. And Genesis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sounds like a good uh, video. It, yeah, it was a... Uh, um, Endless Nights also, I know that song. So, rest in peace to Eddie Money, um, who was not the lead singer of Asia. <laughs> I'm just finding out right now. So, um, let's take a look at the uh, Billboard charts really quick. Some interesting stuff going on on these charts. Uh, so... Uh, I think we on the last episode we did talk about the end of the run for Old Town Road. What a run it had! <laughs> yeah, the longest running number one single of all time, and it beat it by like what two weeks? I think. Yeah, yeah. So curious to see what will 
what will change it. I know we had a text conversation about what could possibly like be the next thing to do it. And like, you know, it's probably something viral, get a good viral marketing campaign behind it. And well, I think push. just to, to, I thought it was going to be, I think we agree it would be Billy Eilish, bad guy. That was, was yeah. the one who, that, um, that, that took over. Mm-hmm. Um, but the number one song this week, and it has been for the last two weeks, uh, Truth Hurts by Lizzo, mm-hmm. a song that's been out for almost two years, yeah. if not already. A very long climb. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was say, I'd, I'd never heard her name until your wedding. Yeah. Oddly enough, that was the song that like she requested to hear. Like That was the call the bride to the floor. But it's a song about being proud about being single. So I thought it was funny. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like, you have a ring on your finger. Why are you still listening to this song? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't hear about her until that article from Rolling Stone saying that she had the best album so far of 2019. And, um, yeah, I mean, this song wasn't even on this album, though. Like, they, it got re-released and placed on this new album. So that might be one of the longest climbs to number one ever. Yeah. Like two years later, we arrived. <laughs> uh, number two is uh, "Senorita," which was uh, it was number one after "Bad Guy." Uh, the artist, um, formerly known as Fifth Harmony, and the Canadian John Mayer, um, they're number two this week. Uh, then we have "Bad Guy" by Billie Eilish at number three. "Ransom" by Lil Tecca. Um, who is already planning to retire. <laughs> Why? From what I've read. <laughs> who already, is he? Who is Lil Tecca? Um, he's, I, I can't remember where he's from, but he just started rapping maybe like a year and a half ago because he, he started freestyling while like uh, on Xbox Live or something oh, <laughs> with some friends. And they wow. thought he was good. So he started working on it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. I actually, I actually like him a little bit more now because. Of that. <laughs> but he's he's already planning to uh, to get out the game. Uh, <laughs> number five is uh, Old Town Road. Hmm. Um, they have been on the charts for twenty seven weeks, and eighteen of them were at number one. So, some high efficiency there. Hello, uh, number six. No Guidance by Mr. Finna B. Mean and the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number seven, <laughs> uh, Circles by Sirius Malone. Is that is this the Aussie track? No. No? Okay. I forgot the name of it. I listened to it yesterday. Number eight, I Don't Care by the most influential artist in black music and the Canadian Spotify champion. Number nine, Talk by Khalid. And number ten, Goodbyes by Sirius Malone featuring Young Thug. So that's the top ten songs. Who's Louis Capaldi? Who are these people? God, I feel older every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. huh. So the Billboard 200. These are the albums. Number one, Fear Inoculum by Tool. Out of nowhere. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Like, yeah. that's just... Yeah. That's pretty impressive, though. Like, you take how many years in between? Although, can you really call it out of nowhere when the anticipation for this album was so hyped? Like, well, people have been waiting forever. No, yeah, I, I agree. I guess for me, more so, like, I didn't expect them to hit number one. 
because everyone talks yeah. about how rock is dead. Yeah. But there's still people out there who will buy. You got to be the right band, I guess. Yeah. And they also don't strike me as the band that would pull Metallica and put their stuff in, you know, with tickets and stuff. Like they probably, they probably like really hit number, like legit hit number one yeah. off of the fact that we don't do this that often. That and it was the they it was the same week that they finally put all their stuff back, yeah. on, uh, back on streaming, streaming right? Yeah. So yeah, are we gonna see uh, what's, what's another album, Lateralist? We can see another Tool album on the, the charts. <laughs> that would be cool if that happened, like by association. Yeah. Uh, number two is "Lover" by the Fake News of Pop Music. Oh. oh. Yeah, she got um, knocked out of number one by them. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was. She was. She debuted at number one, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Debuting at number three. Uh, I don't know how this is going to be marketed, but it's called Norman fucking Rockwell yeah. by Lana Del Rey. Hmm. Um, I, what? I don't get it with Lana Del Rey. Uh, what, what, what do you mean? You get? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't get it. I, I actually, I think I've only heard her sing. I think it was yesterday. She has that. She's a part of that trio that her and Ariana Grande and Miley Cyrus doing that Charlie's Angel song. Really? Yeah, I, I saw the video, and that I think that's that the first time I've ever actually listened to Lana Del Rey sing. So I don't know if that's how she always sings or not. Because in it like the context, very low register. Yes, because in the context of that song, it was it didn't make sense. Yeah, she sings low. <laughs> yeah, if it, okay, it, okay. Is, is it up tempo as well? No. Because oh, okay. she doesn't do anything up tempo. She, yeah, she definitely doesn't do that. Her it's, part isn't actually like her verse. Is different from everyone else's. Now I want to hear this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, she's she normally sings kind of low tempo stuff. Even her up tempo stuff is still probably only clocking in at like ninety beats per minute. Like it's okay. She doesn't, and she sings very low. Okay, like, so this sounds on par for what she does. Yeah. Okay. It just okay. doesn't fit that song. To the, me. Fa- the fastest song I've heard her at uh, do is "Born to Die." I would say, well, Mount, Diet Mountain Dew. But that wasn't much. It wasn't much faster. Like it just sounds a little <laughs> bit faster because it's more of a a happier sounding beat. But it's still not that fast. But like, yeah, she's just. I mean, the the music is beautiful, but it is depressing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's very depressing. There is so there are like techno remixes of summertime sadness. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I hate every single one of them. Um, and I'm surprised she let it. I'm surprised. Well, probably didn't have a choice. I'm surprised that happened, but. Yeah, it was they, they were they weren't that good. The remixes they weren't because they just don't. So fit. for anybody who doesn't know what Lana Del Rey sounds like, um, every time I hear, I the only person I can think of off the top of my head is Nancy Sinatra. Okay, I could hear that, but that's about it. Yeah. Nancy Sinatra with uh, even with very depressing um, guitars or trap beats. <laughs> Number four is We Love You, Tekka by Lil Tekka. This may be his only album, so <laughs> buy it right now. <laughs> uh, number five, So Much Fun by Young Thug. Um, this was two weeks ago. This was number one. Okay. Number six, Because I Love You by Lizzo. Number seven, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go by Billie Eilish. Number eight, Indigo by Mr. Finn and Be Mean. 
number nine, number six collaborations project by the most influential artist in black music. And number 10, um, I don't how? know how it's moving back up. Is he going on tour? Probably. Probably going on tour and tell him. And, yeah. But Astroworld by Travis Scott jumped up from number 20. To oh, number he 10. also recently put out that thing on Netflix. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, out. his documentary. Yeah. 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 So that may have. Well, Possibly, maybe. Well, that help? I don't know anything about him. Every time they stream it, an album gets sold. I don't know. Like that's if that's the, weird. if the, him selling the T-shirts yeah. <laughs> was counting towards album sales, every stream of his documentary counts towards <laughs> album sales. He is he is maxing this out. Yeah. And the artist one hundred. Um, well, Matt, you listen to the podcast. You're familiar with the rules. What well with our rules for beat of the artist one hundred. So, number one, because they put out an album, Tool (laughs) is number one. Up from number 69. Up from number 69 (laughs) last week, just last week. Number two is the fake news of pop music. She was number one last week. Number three, Sirius Malone. He was number four last week. Ben, do you take him seriously this week? Um, Yes, because hopefully, hopefully... He is familiarizing a new generation with the music of Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath. That's my hope. That's my hope. They don't do trap music, man. They could. I don't know. Let's hear. So people like to remix stuff. Let's hear a. Um, <laughs> let's hear a Black Sabbath trap album. Oh, let's hear God. someone do Paratrap instead of para, para, Paranoid Paratrap. No, I can't stop. God. The closest we have. Trapanoid. <laughs> <laughs> the closest we have is a. Uh, uh, Party like a rock star. That's the closest we'll have to oh, from God. Ozzy Osbourne trap music. <laughs> well, no, I was gonna say that, let's go where they took the um, uh, Randy. They, they could make a trap train. Um, the let's go because it took the. Why can I think of Crazy Train? Crazy Train, yeah, yeah. They took the riff to Crazy Train. Um, but yeah, I could hear because I mean, like, what it was DJ Danger Mouse that did the Gray album. You know, he yeah. mashed up Black album and the White album, so. I mean, I'd be curious to hear somebody do it. You know, why not? Like, it's it's art. You know, do what you feel. I would be curious, though, to hear, like, a trap remix of Paranoid. I would be very, or even Iron Man's on that album, right? Iron Man, Paranoid, um, Fairies Wear Boots, which I just, I'm not even going to front like I knew that song. I just discovered that a few months ago. Great freaking song. Um, what's the other song? Witches Gather Like Black Masses? I, I cannot think of songs today. War Pigs. War Pigs. That on Paranoid? Don't know. Okay. Remix that song. <laughs> Cake did it excellently, but yeah, I'm very curious. But number, yeah, thank you, Post Malone. Sears Malone. Number four this week, uh, unranked last week, is Lana Del Rey. Huh. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Adam. Maybe the, the hipster girls are talking about her enough on social media. Uh, number five is Lizzo. Number six, Billie Eilish. Number seven, Khalid. Number eight, BTS. Hmm. So even though they're taking a break, they're still they're popular. Still talked about. Someone there's a um, there's a podcast series um, or, well, a company called Parcast who makes all of these different um, types of podcasts, and they have one called The Dark Side of, and they just p- released the episode The Dark Side of K-pop. I have yet to listen to it. But I'm curious to see what they've dug up because that shit gets dark. And so I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see. And I wonder if, like, they talk about BTS on there because um, this ain't going to be a long break. 
I don't think it's gonna be a long break. It might already be over. <laughs> all right, you were off for two weeks. Good chance. Let's get this train going again, guys. Let's get. Yeah, you're this. off for two weeks, okay? You know what that means? We're already two years behind. Let's get <laughs> <laughs> He's aging. <laughs> Stop it. Is that a mustache? Are you serious? <laughs> you come in here with a mustache? It's like, you're fired. You're out the group. You're fired. You're gone. <laughs> Do I see a wrinkle? <laughs> when you sign your contract, what did we say? Huh? Menudo rules. Once yeah. we see facial hair, you were gone. Get okay. that Botox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine is Lil Tecca. People don't want him to retire, I guess. Um, and number 10 the most influential artist in black music. He dropped some bars on that on that collaborations album, though. I will give him that. All right, and the last story we want to talk about here is uh, this something. We know it happened uh, a few weeks ago, but it's still funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Hasbro Toy Company uh, made some... Uh, some major purchases. Diversify their bonds. <laughs> uh, the, they gave us Mr. Potato Head, Monopoly, G.I. Joe, Transformers, My Little Pony, Power Rangers. And uh, they have an, they announced they will join forces with Death Row Records. <laughs> yes, the Death Row Records uh, that gave us Tupac and Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. and Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. And depending on who you are, unfortunately, Suge Knight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Hasbro, but Hasbro purchased Entertainment One, a multimedia company that owns the fran- children's franchises Peppa Pig and PJ Masks. Um, Peppa Pig, that's that's some new age stuff right there. <laughs> uh, but Pe- uh, Entertainment One has a music division. And uh, Entertainment One purchased the catalog of Death Row, which was forced to declare bankruptcy in 2006. Uh, But they purchased that back in 2013. So essentially, Hasbro does own Death Row Records, but that's because someone else bought it. What, What is there to do with Death Row Records? Like, is there gonna be like, like Tupac remixes of songs that are going to be in episodes of Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yes. Like, or do like a Mr. Potato Head album. Uh, they're going to be like, <laughs> I imagine there might be like diss songs between toys. I would love that actually. Because <laughs> I still remember when Wendy's did their mixtape. So I'm thinking of something like that. Like something silly but still well done. I think it was called Watch the Stove. and so like yeah make a Mr. Potato Head like you know rap beats are cheap to make unfortunately and I'm sure there's somebody at Death Row who still has aspirations of being a great rapper so yeah let's make a Mr. Potato Head or Transformers like get someone who can rap like Optimus Prime I mean you could at least make a Monopoly version like Death Row Monopoly version right oh that's what it says in this article oh really oh that is awesome that's what it says in this article (laughs) there's there's no word on whether there will be a Death Row record Steve Monopoly that would be amazing (laughs) that would be great (laughs) or um, I don't know some if they're like Transformers but it turns into but a (laughs) you know a, a Cadillac 
or Mac <laughs> turns, turns into something. Well, I mean, what Megatron turned into a gun, so there you go. Just make it turn into a gun, a Mac Ten or something. No, actually, no, the rapper Mac Ten. <laughs> into the rapper Mac-10. That might be too. That might be too meta for some too, people. Too much. Too much. There. Like Mac Ten's a gun, and he turned into a gun. Hits blunt. Like. Just <laughs> um. I mean, how? So, yeah. I don't know, man. I was thinking, like, do they also is Hasbro also um, what is that? Risk? Do they own that one? I don't know. Cause that'd be you know that'd be kind of funny. Do they own Clue? Cause that instead also... of with land, yeah. it's with like <laughs> record contracts. <laughs> yep, they own Risk. Uh, there's so many sorry. options here. Yeah, there really are. Own Sorry, do they own? If they own Clue, if there's a Death Row version of Clue. That would be. Every I mean, I would buy sh- every single one of those. Every answer is Suge Knight with a gun on Las Vegas. <laughs> on the biggest strip. <laughs> That's every game. It ends like that. That's on every card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. Yes, let's. He would be the only character. There's no like Professor Plum. Nope. Or Miss Scarlet. It's Suge Knight. It's just Suge Knight. <laughs> So not on, he's not on every card. It's all, it's those three cards. Yeah, <laughs> it was Shug I know Knight the answer. with the gun Shug on the Knight Vegas trip. with the gun on the Vegas strip. Like, oh, you win again. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Um. So yeah, uh, that that's a interesting uh, acquisition. But I, I mean, I I know they like Hasbro bought the company. Entertainment One, yeah, but you got to do something with that. I concur. You got to do something with it. People will buy it for real. Yeah, <laughs> that would it'd be classic. It really would, especially with now my in laws who love to play Monopoly around the holidays. Like, how fun would that be to have a a death row version? Like, instead of like the regular cars, like a like a Impala with hydraulics, that'd be great. That'd be great. Or I mean, so, I know I would immediately buy all of them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no question in my mind. Instead of a boot, it's a Chuck Taylor. <laughs> Instead of a hat, it's a do-rag. Like, this be, this would be great. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Some people might say that's uh, exploitation, but I don't care. I'd buy it. It's on brand. That's the, that's the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's on brand. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for our music news. Um, so... Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. So this is a song that apparently um, I my wife tells me I heard, but I don't remember hearing it. But um, in Mexico, where I went for the honeymoon, there was like is a resort, so there's always like entertainment and activities going on around their their pools or whatever. And there was someone singing this song just randomly, and they were singing like uh, it was like half Spanish, half English. But the song is all English, but um, it's an artist named LP. She used to write for some, she's written for more famous artists before she released an album. If you see her, she does not look like she has ever written for a pop artist. She looks like, um, she looks like a hipster, like a straight, like living in the gutter of LA hipster. Mm. It's really weird. And then you hear that she wrote for Potax. It's really weird. Um, but the song apparently, when I looked it up, got released in Mexico because it's a couple years old. Got released in Mexico fall of last year and became a hit. Um, and this is probably why it was being performed. The name of the song is Lost on You. It's got a really awesome hook. Very very catchy, very sing-along. 
All right, so this is Lost on You by LP, and we'll be right back. Lost on You by LP, and you can find that on our BTT YST Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. Subscribe to it. It gets updated when we do an episode, whenever that is. If you dare. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, we started the uh, this particular episode. With uh, the song Pardon Me by Incubus from their Morning View Sessions DVD. Yes. Uh, It's a live set. Uh, They played in the round for those who are concerned about staging. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we will be discussing on this particular episode Incubus' 1999 album, Make Yourself. And that's why we brought in our resident Incubus expert, Matt G. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this album was released October 26th, 1999. So we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of uh, the album's release. Um, So we'll start with you, Matt. Uh, With being the the Incubus expert, uh, were you... Were you already did you already listen to their previous their previous work before this album came out? No, I didn't. Uh, the I think "Pardon Me" might have been the very first song I heard by them, and it was shortly after that album came out because uh, they were the opening band for Three Eleven that year. I think that album came out. No, 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 no. It was a year after. It was in two thousand. I saw them in the summer. They were the opening band for Three Eleven, and that was. I even then when I saw them, I didn't really pay much attention at the time because <laughs> it was my very first concert period 
and that's when I got really into 311. Like, I totally forgot about Incubus at that concert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I didn't listen to anything of theirs until a couple of years after that. Uh, ben, what was your introduction to Incubus? Um, so, the, uh, there was a guy in my, um, I think it was U.S. History class, 10th grade, Miss um, Darby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a guy named David Gomez. I don't know if he's listening because um, we're we're still you know uh, we still affiliated to this day. But um, he, I remember he wrote down. He told me about Incubus because I had heard Pardon Me on MTV, and it was an odd video. Like, it was a weird video, yeah. but like the song um, up to that point because we were you know we were teenagers when this came out mm-hmm. was unlike any other rock song I'd heard. Like, it just has, it had a weird, like, now we listen to it, it's like, oh, there's no, but, like, when I first heard it, I was like, wow, this song's all over the place. Like, what are they doing in these verses? This is crazy. So he told me all about Incubus and ended up burning a copy of Make Yourself. Like, he wrote down a list of songs I should check out, um, A Certain Shade of Green being one of them, which was on their previous album, Science. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I think either the next day or the next week, he burned a copy of Make Yourself for me. And I went home and listened to it. I'm not even going to, like, not exaggerating, on repeat. Like, I listened to it a lot. It was really, 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 really good. And for someone who was just, you know, those first few years getting into that type of music, it was a little, it was different for me. It, was, it wasn't like, you know, I think, you know, at that point, heavy to me was like, what well, was heavy? It was corn. Like, I was listening to Follow the Leader and stuff like that. But like, this was heavy, but it was texturized. So, you know, and, you know, I don't know if, I think we've mentioned it before. Matt's a guitar player. I hear a lot of Mike Isinger, who is the guitar player from Incubus. I hear a lot of his influence in your playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a very textured, like your playing isn't boring. There's a lot of, it's a lot of different layers to your playing, just like his, especially on this album. You know, every song, like, yeah, while there's the, the heavy parts with the distortion, um, after that, there's, you know, there's different types of phasing effects. There's different type of delays. Um, and then you throw that in with that they had, and I can't think of many bands that had one, a turntablist, a DJ. You throw that in there, and you get some really interesting effects that can that can make this a very, in my opinion, a very unique album, especially for like the rock genre. Very unique album. In my um, that it like I agree with you. Like it was like something I had not heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> This was I. I think we're still friends on on Facebook. There was this girl uh, in. Um, I went to this like church uh, uh, retreat thing in Charlotte um, in 1999. The people like the the real the actual like first friends I made uh, in <laughs> at this church. Uh, the people like like I would see on a consistent basis, and the church really invested in you know, us being involved um, in different activities and groups and all that. And there was this, like, huge conference in Charlotte. So people put money together and paid for us to drive from Augusta to Charlotte. Um, and there was this one girl from another another church, because we were with another church to, to get on this charter bus or whatever, and my mom had just got me a CD player. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't have any, like, mixed CDs or anything. I Probably the only CDs I may have had was um, the Fuji's, the Score. 
good CD. And um, maybe a couple like jazz CDs that I took for my mom. <laughs> I listened to like, well, I've said on this show, I listened to a lot of contemporary jazz growing oh. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I heard the song, Pardon Me. And uh, this one girl had, um, if she's listening, her name is Chenille. She had the album. And I asked, could I borrow it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I listened to it. And then we stayed at this hotel, which was next to a mall. I went and bought the album like the next day. And this was at like an FYE. So it was like oh. $20. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You paid a lot yeah. of that expensive <laughs> album there. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I ended up listening to it on repeat probably for the next 10 years yeah. I listened to it I, I came back to it pretty often yeah um and it was it was just one of those and this was for me I don't know about Ben but for me being a a black kid listening to this music I didn't really like I didn't want to tell people about it <laughs> I didn't want to say, oh, have you heard this Incubus album? Like, yeah. who's Incubus? Well, so it depends. We're listening the to white Master kids, P over here. I told the white kid, I'm talking <laughs> them about it, you know, although there weren't many Incubus fans at my school. But, yeah, and the black kids, like, you know, <laughs> like, at that point, like, I only got a pass for listening to Corn because they did a song with Ice Cube. Like, oh, that was, I forgot about that. <laughs> like, that was it. Like, which really should show how ignorant some of those kids were because they didn't know who Farside was. And Corn did a song with Farside also. But Farside isn't cool. Ice Cube is. Uh, I was talking about Chenille is black. So it made me, like, I felt okay with going just to go buy the album. Like, yeah. well, if this black girl's listening to it, I can listen to it. <laughs> she can't judge me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, uh, that was my introduction to them. And, um, yeah, it, this is this is down, uh, like, I, I played a lot. Uh, and... I'll probably go back and listen to it. I hadn't listened to it until like today, really, because we're oh, yeah. going to do this episode. But <laughs> like a lot of this stuff sounds familiar, even like the the non singles. Like, yeah. oh, oh yeah. yeah, I remember mm-hmm. this song. I remember this song. Um, well, uh, since Ben brought it, I wanted to ask you, Matt. Like, how did um, how did Mike Eisinger influence your playing? Like, as far as what what kind of sticks out to you? Oh, it's, it has everything to do with how he used his effects. Because he, you know, every every guitar player of that era pretty much used guitar effect pedals. But the way he used his mm-hmm. was very interesting. He was the first um, first guitar player that I had come across that would do volume swells with mm. his guitar while using effect, like a delay mm-hmm. and, a, and a flanger. That which is the beginning of the recorded version or album version of Pardon Me. Yeah. And that sound, I never knew what the hell it was. <laughs> and I thought it, it, it just sounds so yeah. awesome. Every time I hear that opening of that song, uh, it just like, I, it go right back to like when I first heard that song and it was just like, what the hell is this noise? And then of course, you know, it comes in that crushing distortion. But yeah, yeah he was the first, and that, that influenced me a lot. I started doing that uh, pretty much all the time once I figured out what he was doing. <laughs> and I was like, well, what can I, how can I make it sound this way? Or what, what happens if I turn that pedal on while I do it kind of thing? So when it came to him, his influence on me would definitely be the way he used his effects. Yeah, he was so creative. Yeah, he really was. So, like, not just your standard, oh, I'm going to use the chorus because it makes it sound light and, you know, kind of full at certain points. But, like, 
Yeah, the, you, you hit it, that volume swelled. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I heard you play that. I almost shit my pants. I was like, <laughs> oh, God. Like, I'd never heard it done outside of the record. Yeah. So to hear someone do it, and then I start looking at your board, trying to figure out what you were using <laughs> to do it. And yeah, he's incredibly creative with how he does that stuff. Yeah, and it's funny. He has a one, well, he used it a lot more on science, but a gonculator pedal. Which is a ring modulator. Oh, those always weirded me out. Only only guy I've known to really use one. Worthless pedal outside of trying to play <laughs> their songs. And it reminded me of Tim Mahoney from 311. He has one pedal, an, uh, an auto wah he always used, which is also a very worthless pedal yeah. for the most part. But those two, like I bought both of them and I was like, I love these things. I never really got to use them all that much. But <laughs> A ring mod. I had a one of those old Zoom multi-effects pedals. Oh, yeah. I... The first time, like, I came across that setting, like, what the hell is this? It's fucking weird. It sounds so weird, and you can't, there's no conventional nope. use for it nope. whatsoever. Nope. You'd have to write it, basically. Mm-hmm. You'd have to write it in there. Same with an auto wad. Those are worthless. Oh, I love just, those. I just can't, I tried it. Huh. And... Full circle, though. That's what the, he uses on Amber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does. Yeah. yeah. The envelope filter. Yeah. 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 Little, Ain't it fun? trivia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so with this, uh, uh, so Ben, what kind of sticks out to you musically or vocally, lyrically, uh, or what have you with this album? What was the first thing that you kind of remember sticking out to you? I remember the verse of Pardon Me. Like it, it's a, it's a very off-timed verse. Um, like it, it's kind of starts out with kind of a halftime feel the first half and then it kind of double times, but not really. And it does that back and forth and back and forth into like a uh, a snare ro- a snare roll, and then into the chorus, which is an odd oddly rhythmed. Just everything about that song just kind of threw me off. Nothing about that song is really straightforward. And that's what's kind of cool about it. It keeps you off balance. Um, and then just listening to the rest of it, like I really came to like Brandon Boyd as a singer. Um, he has a very pretty voice, but it works for what they do. Like usually, you know, the um, the common trope with a lot of rock singers is you don't have a pretty voice like that. You got some grit, you got some grind. Now he does scream on um, "Make Yourself" the title track, mm-hmm. but like everything else is kind of and that's really that's really the heaviest song on the album. Really, is "Make Yourself." Would you say? Or would you maybe say "Privilege"? Privilege they're, is I pretty mean, heavy. They're pretty so like. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty similar. That yeah. and yeah, yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> Those two are probably pretty equal. Yeah. Um, but to be able to go from you know that to that, the only other singer I think I could I had heard at that time, and maybe this wasn't even yet, because um, I got that same feeling listening to uh, Judith by Perfect Circle. Like he's able mm-hmm. to sing very smooth, and to this day, that's why Maynard's one of my favorite singers. He's just he's like a vocal chameleon, and. I just really liked, you know, as a guy with a pretty voice, hearing Brandon Boyd sing, I was like, okay. You know, people like him and David Ryan Harris made me think, all right, I can sing rock music. You know, they've got these smooth voices. They don't have a lot of grit and and stuff like that, but it still works. And that's when I realized you just have to, you know, you got to find the right sound to back you up if you're going to do that type of music. And what mm-hmm. they did worked. Um, with the, uh, the, the, the pretty voice and, and kind of the, um, and the sound that they had, and at this time, this is when this is new metal being probably the most popular genre mm-hmm. um, at the time. So along with like Limp Biscuit and Corn, 
Um, I think Brandon Boyd's vocals kind of set them apart to our, they're considered new metal, but uh, you really don't yeah. feel that way yeah. about them. Um, Matt, what do you think of them? Like, I think they were kind of lumped in with them at first. Yeah, mainly because of their first, I say first album. Technically, it's not their first. Uh, Science was very new metal compared to Make Yourself. <laughs> and I think that's the reason, because they were on the Family Values tour. Oh, really? Yeah, so they were on that tour. I think mainly because of the Science album, because um, Certain Shade of Green was like the single, and it was pretty, like, it was kind of pretty uh, new metal. Yes, for and so, um, but yeah, and then that album came out. But definitely, Brandon Boyd made them separate from everybody else. Like the music kind of was the same, but yeah, his voice made them all. Like, yeah. And the way he looked, you got to give it to him. Like he's a good. All the dude. girls loved that dude. <laughs> yeah. So that set him, him and the whole band apart from all the other new metal acts. Like easily. I think part of also why they were um, kind of lumped in is new metal. Is because they had a DJ. Yeah, but that too. what he does, I feel like it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. It's 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 uh it's necessary. Like I understand like why he's there, but it's very subtle. Yeah. But uh, it's still like it's still <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, still yeah. need yeah. him. But it's like he he's not a, like it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Right. Um you all you it, not as an insult, but you kind of forget he's there until you hear some scratching. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, he's. And okay. he got like pretty much his own track on the. Oh, yeah. Battlestar <laughs> Scratchilla or whatever. Yeah. Scratch a Lactica. There we go. Yeah. Scratch Lactica. Something. It looked, Something that's like that. A, yeah. That's <laughs> a, um, but yeah, like the, the. How Brandon Boyd looks sets him apart. He doesn't have to. Um, wear a Yankees cap right. or have white people dreadlocks, which is different. Well, he did. He it's cut them, though. Him and... Uh, oh, yeah, he yeah. did. He, yeah. he used During to have science, white people dreadlocks. He cut them because someone him told him... the guitar player. Someone told him, like, hey, man, the girls will dig you if you, you know, cut your hair and stop wearing a shirt. <laughs> and he was well, like... I think he always didn't wear a shirt. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you know what? Because I remember seeing them play... Um, I think it was not. I think it was deep inside, from the first out from yeah, science. Yeah. And yeah, everyone was shirtless. It was. Yeah. <laughs> they cut the hair. They're like, like I I see it. I mm-hmm. see it. Next thing you know, I I still remember as a matter of fact, because what Morning View was, what, I think my freshman year of college it came out in two thousand one. Okay, so half second senior. half of it, senior high, senior school. high school. But I remember in college there were these two girls that were so dismayed when I told them that he was bisexual. Well. Has that been proven? I don't know if it's I remember been... that rumor, but I yeah, never I, I didn't, don't know. And I don't know. Like, I just yeah, mentioned I no They're like, no, they were so sad because they just loved <laughs> Brandon Boyd. I'm like, as if either one of you, even if he was straight, <laughs> like, like he like he would have a shot. But, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh-huh, be disappointed. <laughs> he doesn't know you two ladies at West Georgia. Shout out to West Georgia. Go West. <laughs> um. So uh, the first single, uh, which we've been talking about, Pardon Me, was actually not released until four months after the album came out. Yeah. Um, Different times, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from my understanding, it was, this album had a really hard time getting off the ground until really? they did the acoustic version of Pardon Me at some radio station. 
I think it was K-Rock, but I'm not positive. That would and totally then, make sense. And then that version, <laughs> they just kept playing over and over again, like at normal airplay, and that just skyrocketed the album, from my understanding. Um, This was... Uh... Yeah, it says it was the first Incubus song to receive a considerable considerable amount of radio airplay. It was number three on the Billboard Modern Rock Track, Modern Rock Tracks, and number seven on the Mainstream Rock Tracks. I don't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. It's a lot of tracks to tell you about something. Um, I remember seeing the video on MTV. Uh. I feel like it made TRL like once, probably. <laughs> I can't and I maybe twice. Yeah, I can't remember where I saw it. I don't think it was TRL though, but I mean it makes sense. I think. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. The other song that made it. There are other two. Their next two are a little more successful. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there there are three official singles from the album. The second one was Stellar, which I remember seeing on TRL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And. Uh, I know there's a video. I remember like there were like Northern Lights theme or something like that. Yeah, I they were like floating so in outer space. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was an odd video. I remember. <laughs> anything, you guys, remember about this song? You, I mean, <laughs> I actually kind of I, I totally forgot that that was a single. Oh, for real? In all honesty, <laughs> and I love the song. Like, yeah, I really like that song. But yeah, I forgot that there was it was an actual single. I don't think that one had to be the shortest lived of the three. Yeah, it came out in August of 2000. Uh, how well did it do? It was because I, I didn't like it at first. I've I've grown to like it as the years go by. For yeah. me, it was that opening guitar line, like, riff. and that's what that. killed me. I so I tried to learn it once, and I was like, "Holy crap, this is really hard to play." Yeah. <laughs> but it's really it's a very pretty. But like, what really made me like it, and I've noticed this with a couple of their songs, the bridge. Yeah. When I realized what he was saying, like you're stellar, it just it kind of gave it a little bit of a new meaning for me. But and then going into that second verse, like once again, the off kind of timing of it, the syncopated sound, yeah, um, made me start to appreciate the rest of it because of what you like. I, I don't know. I look at songs sometimes like that. Like, what are the things you have to do to get there? And that makes me appreciate that part. Like I like that part of it. And when what you have to do to get to that part makes me appreciate the other parts mm-hmm. as well. And so, but yeah, but this definitely, the first time I heard it, this is a song I would skip. I didn't really like it. Oh man, I love this song. I just yeah. totally forgot it was a single. Yeah, it was one of those, I, I felt like it was on TRL maybe once yeah. or twice. Because <laughs> well, uh, it was probably riding the back of Pardon Me. So they're like, oh yeah. hey, Incubus has got another song out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with the, uh, the new metal acts, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That with that second single as they'll be coming out. Um I I remember like listening to this this particular one a lot. I didn't skip this one. I skipped the other one that we're going to talk about oh, in yeah. a minute. The, oh uh, that one <laughs> And being at West Georgia, uh I I will get to it in a second. Much. <laughs> um but yeah, I remember listening to this one a lot and um it's the, well, there are a couple of, I guess, love songs on this album. Uh, yeah. I would consider this a love song. Uh, in the video, it had Brandon Boyd's then girlfriend, so maybe those West Georgia girls thought they had a chance because of that. 
Um, and she travels to space. That I haven't seen this video in so long. Yeah. She travels to space. Meet me in outer space. Yeah. They're wearing baggy clothing, so you know, sign of the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is also considered space rock, whatever that means. Oh, okay. Sometimes I think Wikipedia makes up genres, <laughs> and then people just fill it in just to... Like, it's... Yeah. But that guitar riff almost sounds Middle Eastern. Like, a little bit. Yeah, it, it sounds... And I can't remember what... I used to know what scale or what mode it was using, but I don't know anymore. But it was like a really... Like, I love that. And then this part is just... It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I like it because it's straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> um, this song uh, I was trying to look up how the song did it was number two on the US alternative songs chart hmm. Too many what is the difference too uh, many charts <laughs> and number 17 on the mainstream rock charts so maybe on alternative it's like ah not enough effects or just enough <laughs> effects. They're like, not enough. We got to put you on the modern rock charts. <laughs> uh, this did not chart anywhere else around the world, unfortunately. Huh. I have to uh, mention the next song, did. <laughs> but uh, uh, going back to Pardon Me real quick, uh, it was number 61 in the UK. Okay. So it kind of made it. All right. So the third single. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I've, we've made a lot of money off of this playing this song yes we so have I can't be mad this it, is probably the one song though I could easily just skip now. I did like it when it first came me out me too I, I loved it yeah uh, so the third single is Drive um, not a cover of the Cars <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought the video was pretty cool too mm-hmm. this was a TRL dar- this was a TRL darling oh yes it was yeah, yeah. This and of course no shirt in the video. Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't have a shirt on in Pardon Me either, right? I don't know. I can't remember. If, I think if he, he was... did, it burned off. <laughs> 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 yeah, this. Uh, and I just I wish I could remember how I felt when this f- song first came out. Um, I know I liked the guitar solo because I didn't really know what he was doing. You know, I was oh, still yeah. new at guitar. I just knew it sounded cool. And then well, he course, was also upside down in the video when he played the solo, oh, yeah, so was. you're like, holy shit. <laughs> and then when they play it live, it doesn't even play the solo, Brandon Boyd would whistle it. So that oh. kind of threw me off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was, I don't know, Just I just remember this, this is one of those high school memory songs, man, mm-hmm. just singing this song. And of course, it was still popular when I got to college, so yeah. started playing it. <laughs> oh man, those are the times. Uh, yeah, um. You playing in college, um, any band that either of you were in playing this song. Yep. I I hate I hate it. It made me hate this song. Uh, Run into some people. This is the only Incubus song they knew. I believe that. Um, For a while, yeah. Yeah. Um, just like they thought Stankonia was Outcast first, first album. album. <laughs> <laughs> but like I didn't um I guess part of it, like, the, the song didn't make sense to me, and I didn't like the the uh, the acoustic guitar with the 
record scratching. <laughs> like it, it uh, I, I'm kind of cringy right now hearing it. <laughs> well, to add something cool about the song, so one of the things that I like about so this, if you listen to this song and some of the other deep cuts, um, and then you know later in in Incubus's catalog, you start to hear Mike Isinger's chord knowledge. He has a very deep chord knowledge. Um, there's ways to play this, and I've played the bastardized version of this, but like if you play the real version of it. Tons of sevenths thrown in there. Um, I want to think there's a diminished chord in there. Like, there's, it's a very, so, like, if you go back to science, Anti-Gravity Love Song has a really beautiful solo in it, very inspired jazz, jazzy riffs. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, um, God, what's that other song? Summer Romance? Anti-Gravity Love Song? Yeah, well, that was, yeah. Or is that the one, one you were just talking about? Yeah. Oh, Deep Inside's the Deep other. Inside. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I thought you were talking I about. I still remember the first time I heard that solo, Blew Me Away. But I heard that, of course, after I heard yeah. this. And but then that you can trace his jazz roots. And I don't know a ton about Mike Isinger if he is a jazz fan, but yeah, I think he is. You can definitely hear his jet. Like you can hear some jazz roots there. So you know, explains the love of seventh chords. It explains the love of like open. Like he loves not just um, major sevens, but just sevens in general. Um, he loves le- he loves six chords as well. There's um. One song they did on their next album where he plays a lot of open, just letting, like, playing a C and just letting that E and that um, B ring, which gives you a really nice sound. But this song was, you know, I didn't realize that at the time because I just didn't know enough about music. But, like, just even this chord, that's an A, ends on an A7. <laughs> it's a really nice chord to end on, you know. Um, that E minor that he plays is not just a standard E minor. It's not even just a standard E minor 7. Um, he lets a lot of the strings kind of ring open. The D is not a normal D. The C, it definitely is not a normal C. Like he lets mm-hmm. a lot of strings open, le- ring open, which I love that he does that. Um, I think it shows a, a good musical knowledge for him as a guitar player. Because I don't think a lot of guitar players of that of that era, and that's another thing that separates him. A lot of guitar players of that era don't have the chord knowledge that he has. They play a lot of power chords. Nothing wrong with that, but. Like the guitar player, maybe Wes Borland. Probably. I would I would give Wes Borland a pass because he, he was a very good guitar player. But like Monkey and Head <laughs> weren't playing these type of chords. And, you know, the guitar player from Cold Chamber, whose name I cannot think of, uh, was not playing these type. Of, I'm just trying to name off these bands <laughs> that they were compared yeah. to. But like, you know, they weren't playing those type of chords. And I know I ranted, but I, I really respect <laughs> I really respect them for that. Uh, this was, uh, well, of course, um, the the band's signature song, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, well, you've seen that. Have you seen them live since you saw them that first time? Yeah, I've seen them a handful of times now. Um, is there a certain reaction that the crowd has when they start playing it? Well, the cool part about it is I don't think they play that song as the album version. After after Morning View, maybe once okay, once the bass player from that album and Morning View, the original bass player left, they don't play Drive like that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's always a different variation of it for the most part, and so it keeps it kind of fresh when you see them live. Like if you go to the Alive from Red Rocks and the way they play Drive on that, it's mm-hmm. a lot slower, and it's like the main melody of it is being played by the bass player, and 
Mike Eisinger is playing piano. What? <laughs> okay. It's really good. <laughs> I like it a lot. So like they do that with a lot of their songs though when they, you see them live is they switch it up. They change arrangement arrangements. They'll throw in like covers of songs in the middle of them mm-hmm. and like they they keep it fresh when they do it live. So it's not yeah, you just really don't know what's really going to happen when you see them. Interesting. <laughs> Sounds like a talented band then. Yeah, they are. Okay. Very, very talented. Um, this was uh, their highest charting song. It reached number nine on the Hot 100. Um, they won Billboard's Modern Rock Single of the Year. And uh, what is that? Is there a mainstream rock single? <laughs> is there an alternative rock single of the year? <laughs> Still don't know the difference, um, but... Um, you should write Billboard and ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was also nominated for Best Group Video at the VMAs. Huh. This is when the VMAs really meant something to yeah. me. Uh, but they lost to uh, NSYNC's Pop. Yeah. Jeez, that... Hold on. Really? That song is that old? Yeah. 99. Wow. Well, yeah, this is for the 2001. Oh, awards. okay. Holy crap. Uh, other uh, songs in that category, Destiny's Child's Survivor. That song's mm. that old, too? Uh, Dave We're Matthews old, Band, I Did It. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I feel old. I thought these came out when we were in college. And U2's Elevation, the Tomb Raider mix. Okay. okay. That Tomb Raider. That, I did not like that song. I don't I think I remember. What was that? It was a hoo 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 Oh, now I know it. Yeah, yeah. That, I did not like that song. They played it at the Super Bowl too. It was so bad. Mm. Yeah. Um. What other? Uh, any of the 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 deep cuts stick out? Oh, yeah. oh, the warmth is by far my favorite of that album. That one's got the coolest little guitar riff. I guess if you could call it that in the beginning. And oh man. Then it just builds into intensity. I'll, I can attest. Ooh, I love he that, loves song. that song. He plays this riff quite often. Too. I love that song. <laughs> oh yeah, with the whale song in the beginning. <laughs> Didn't y'all play this a couple times in the Red Tide? Yeah, I think okay. I forced him to. <laughs> I say forced him. I think Chris might have been the only one that didn't really want to play it. Yeah. Oh, for real? I think. I thought he. I thought he. Well, you know what? He likes I, I miss he, you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't think he was like. Mad that we were playing it, but I don't think he really wanted to all yeah. that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I love yeah, this, this song. was this was when I when I listened to it, I I played this one a lot too. Oh, yeah. I love it. They had they have, well, I don't listen to them enough now to really pay attention to the rhythm section, but very strong rhythm section on this album. Yeah, dude, their bass. I miss this bass player yeah. so much. And on um, R U N was that Morning View? Yeah. That yeah. Good. Such a strong rhythm track, yeah. rhythm section on that track. So, um, Dirk Lance, yeah, or Alex. <laughs> so uh, who plays now? Uh, ben Kenny from yeah, The Roots. Kenny. Yeah. Uh, any idea why Dirk left the band? Oh yeah, it was uh, uh, what do they call it? Differences, uh, creative differences. Oh, okay. Because he wanted to stay more like science. And more and make yourself style, and then even Morning View was tough for him apparently. Like it was getting too poppy for him, which I find funny, <laughs> because then once they got their new bass player and they released a curl after the murder, mm-hmm. that's not very pop. No, no that wasn't at all. Like, yeah. So 
I don't know. I don't know if that was just like a big middle finger to him. Like, oh, we're still going to do it just without <laughs> you kind of thing. I, I don't know. But, man, I miss his, like, funky playing. Because, like, Ben Kenny's really good, but he's more of, like, a guitar player bassist. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, he's still really good. But, man, I miss Dirk. Oh, he was so good. Yeah. Um, ben, how about you? Was it, aside from the warmth, any of the deep cuts stick out to you? Uh, yeah, my favorite's Nowhere Fast, actually. That is such a hard song to play. Yeah, I can. It sounds like it. Especially it's, that bridge. Holy shit. Which is my favorite part. Yeah. I will listen to it just to get to that part. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really great song in here. He is with, you know, his textured playing just sounds mm-hmm. very beautiful. Throw some flange in there, some delay in there, and then go into the great tone on the guitar. Um, oh, and the bass line in this song is awesome, yeah. too. Got that little... Yeah that little pause right there yeah this is yeah yeah let's listen to that yeah i mean the whole damn album yeah. it's just so great um, and then the verses too with the off timing mm-hmm. yeah that baseline man he's so yeah. creative i like yeah. that guy yeah it was it's just and i think for him, with these songs, songs like this one, and some of their other songs, Mike Geisinger doesn't do a lot. So he just leaves him, here's some space, man, fill it up. Do what you yeah. got to do to fill yeah. it up. And the bass player and the drummer both fill that up. And then, like, he's just, but then he kind of comes in where he, he picks his spots very well. So I, I think, it, and I think it works. Well, I don't think it works. It does work, clearly. It's sold a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... But this is my favorite track from the album. It was not, though, when it first came out. I think Privilege or Make Yourself might have been. It was probably Make Yourself was my favorite. But, like, over time, as I got a little bit older, this became my favorite track. Yeah. There's just something about it. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Matt, I, I don't think we've ever had this conversation the whole time I've known you. Um this is this is kind of related to this topic, but not exactly. I wanted to ask you about audio vans. Oh, okay. That was what Mike's cousins' band. I think I was his all the cousins are no, they're they're, they're all the brothers. The Mike's singer. brother and Brandon's brother. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, never listened to them, to be honest. I think I may have back when this album came out. No, when I don't know. Whenever I first heard of them. I think I listened to one song and I was like, eh. and then never again. <laughs> um, yeah, because I uh, listened to, I actually bought their Dirty album. Sexy Nights in oh, Paris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, their song, that song, The Energy, which was on Madden 03. Yeah, I remember seeing that video on MTV. And then they broke up and never to be heard from again. <laughs> it's a pretty good album. The Energy, there's Rain, and then there's um, Looking Down are the three songs I'm most familiar with. And they're all good. And I honestly, I think that their singer is, he's a really good singer. I don't know if he was as good live. Yeah. But I think he was, he was very, not as clean as Brandon Boyd, but he was still a very, very good singer. So if you had to take that album, or that, yeah, well, the one album, mm-hmm. and compare it to Hoobastank, which one and made so Incubus, I've been waiting which to one say sounded, that. Which one sounded like Incubus more? Because the first time I heard Crawling in the Dark, I was like, they're ripping on Incubus yeah. hard. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're ripping I, on them now so I hear hard. It. I hadn't thought about that, but now I hear it. Yeah. Been, I was wondering if you were going to say it, who's going to say it first, but yeah. Like the first time I was like, they're ripping on them hard. They're, they're, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. just, but they weren't as talented. Well, with audio, vent, like who was staying sounds more like Incubus. Okay. Than yeah. Audio okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were, but they just weren't as talented. They weren't as, they weren't as good. I, I do think Dan Estrin, the guitar player, was pretty good. I think his name Dan Estrin. Yeah. But like, they just, like, on the whole, and you can just, and you can hear it as time, they just weren't as talented yeah. of musicians as them. Um, and, I mean, that's not a bad thing, I guess. I don't know. Like, they just, it kind of just hurt their career. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had the reason, which was big, but like after I that, they just could haven't not done. Stand that song. Song of the Year nominee, though. I know. It which was yeah, crazy. Everywhere. I, yeah, I, hate, I hated that song. Yeah. That song <laughs> got on my fucking nerves. Like, it was, it was just so weird, though. Like, that album just blew up. And it was just like, they're trying. I don't think they sounded as much like Incubus on that album, on the second one. No. But that first one, oh, God, yeah. They yeah. were just, they were ripping on them. So hard. What was the other single from that? Running Away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing them do a live X. That's, oh, a, throw, wow. that's a throwback. Okay, and they had a song on the um, another CD I got at the local library, <laughs> the uh, Daredevil soundtrack, Ben Affleck Daredevil. Oh, oh really? That soundtrack. Was I like that movie actually? So <laughs> uh, let's look that up because yeah, there were some interesting songs on that. Um, I I can't remember the name of it. Oh, I'm looking it up now. Daredevil the album. <laughs> yes. Um, which I, of course won't back down by Fuel, which is a great song. Um, right before your eyes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's set, it's set in the middle of "Until You're Reformed" by Chevelle, and "Fade Out" slash "In" by Palo Alto. Hmm. Yeah. Calm the rain was on there. My immortal was on there too. I know. Bring me to life. Yeah. Uh, that's Mm-mm-mm. bring me to life. Well, we'll be doing. We- we should do an Evanescence episode soon. That's been in our. We have a list, an ongoing list of potential yeah. topics. Oh, yeah. What happened to Evanescence? <laughs> what happened to them? That's the specific question. Yeah. <laughs> what happened They're to them? They're supposed to be the next big thing. And then. Um, what was it? Saliva? That guy? Oh. Who dated her? That's so, probably what happened to her. Funny enough, too, because there's album every six <laughs> seconds. That YouTube channel I told you about oh, that goes yeah. back and rips albums. He did a video. He did a video about their first album, and he just goes in. <laughs> it's funny, but funny enough, it made me want to listen to it. I was yeah. like, "Oh, there's some tracks I didn't know about. That's what's up." <laughs> it's more than just click, click, boom, and <laughs> <laughs> and your disease. So yeah, but it was it's, it's I liked it, but it was a pretty bad album. But yeah, because they're also they're the third track on this album, "Bleed for Me" by Saliva. <laughs> like this is a who's who. Hold on, just for a second. I want to read this this lineup because this is really a who's who of of around that time. Fuel, the calling, saliva, seether, nickelback, drowning pool featuring Rob Zombie, um, nappy roots featuring the guy from POD on oh, another song. Love that song. Well, no, they did another oh, song called really? Right Now. Oh, never mind. Wait, what? What album is this? This is the Daredevil album. Oh, wow. Yeah, Moby, Evanescence, of course, Bring Me to Life, Chevelle, Hoobastank, Palo Alto, which I don't think a lot of people know about them. Um, Revis, Boy Sets Fire, Autopilot Off, Graham Revell and Mike Isinger. Hmm. They did the Daredevil theme. Evanescence again. Finger Eleven. Oh, wow. Endo, and then 12 Stones managed to get another track on there. <laughs> Jeez. So... Like a who's who of like just, yeah. Early 2000s. Yeah. Radio rock. Oh, yeah. Like that was a rock 
album. <laughs> you won't see that nowadays. All that rockin' one album. And of course, the label that released it, Wind Up Records. Home of Evanescence and Creed. Oh, Creed. Yeah. Gotta love it. Um, I guess the last, let's see what I want to ask, ask y'all about, um, not simply like the legacy of this album, but from what Incubus did going forward from Make Yourself, mm-hmm. they were very new metally to start with. And this album put them on the map. Um, going forward, even looking at, well, new metal kind of died out because we saw Linkin Park change mm-hmm. and Corn kind of changed and Limp Biscuit just went away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but what do you think of like of them at this point? And then going forward, like the, do you think it was okay? Well, we have to. Are we, do you think they tried to like make make yourself again, or was it just like a progression of well, let's try some different things, you know, just to do it, um, see what happens. If you'd asked me this question, probably after Morning View would come out, I'd probably say they tried to make make yourself again. Um, especially with the song Mexico is definitely them trying to have another drive. (laughs) Um, But seeing what they've done over the years, speaking now, um, they do tend to try and reinvent themselves almost every album, like in some way or another. So I kind of want to believe they weren't trying to do Make Yourself Again, which probably led to why Dirk left, because that's what he wanted to do. (laughs) Because that's what he likes. Um, So no, I don't... I think they they might have been influenced by, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? The money. Uh, whatever. Why can't I think of what they are? Studio money or the, oh, the record company record money company, yeah. to make another Make Yourself, which is why Mexico exists on that album on Morning View. Um, but I don't think they wanted – I don't think they were shooting for another Make Yourself. So they're not like 311. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I wanted to also uh, ask you about this. Like, Drive was a top ten single. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're the biggest single they've ever had, and they haven't had any other of their singles since then. Um, Even "Wish You Were Here." Well, they they made the Hot 100, but not the top 40. Like "Wish You Were Here" was 60. Damn, Megalo I thought that would have been. was 55. Yeah, they've done very well on the rock charts. But... Well, I figured, well, yeah, I figured like they would have dropped off with all the other albums, but I thought Wish You Were Here, because I remember they played it at the Grammys, I believe, one year, or the year it came out. So I thought that one probably, I, I would have guessed that song beat Drive, but apparently not. No. The la- their last charted single was Dig, which peaked at number 94. Hmm. Um. I mean, that I'm just talking about the Hot 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of that, like, and we, we talked about the charts earlier. Um, is it possible for, like, a rock act to, like, be uh, popular? Like, to have a top ten song? I mean, well, Tua is the number one album. Right. They don't have a single in the Hot 100. Right. Or, well, maybe they do, but it's in the 70s or 80s or something. Yeah. But to have like a, a, a rock band to have a hit single 
do you think it's possible anymore? You know, I really thought it would be when I heard about Greta Van Fleet gaining popularity. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe there was a chance, and then they kind of fell off again. Like nobody's talking about them anymore. So there's going to be a need. There's there's a need for no, not a need. There will need to be a uh, big dramatic change in popular music for that to happen again, in my opinion. I don't, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Mm. What do you think, Ben? Well, it depends on what you call rock. So, technically, Imagine Dragons, people consider that a rock band. Yeah, true. I don't. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, the and I mean, changes. you know, and I don't mean to be that get off my lawn guy, but <laughs> I, I just don't consider it a, a rock band. Yes, they're a band. They're a group of people who play instruments, so they are a band. But they've had, you know, hit singles. Um, they have their popularity has waned a little bit, not on social media it seems, because for a while there they were every week they were in that artist one hundred. Yeah. Um, but I think if we're going to see if we're going to see that, it's going to have to be a band that taps into the consciousness of what people want to hear right now, which is yeah. trap music. So what was funny is that the um, channel that I follow, the pop music in pop music NBA. No, um, punk music NBA, punk rock NBA. When someone asked him, like, you know, why do you think rock is dead? And it was an interesting video. And a lot of what he said was um, the fans are partly to blame because the fans, of course, you know, some of them are stuck in the past. He's like, rock fans buy physical media more than any other fan. And um, he starts talking about all these festivals. And a lot of the bands are bands that are 20 years older or 20 years older, older. The other thing he talks about was the rock stars don't want to be rock stars anymore. All they want to do is complain about the status quo and, and acts that are popular, but then whine when they're not invited to the popular events. And he said um, one of the bigger bands of the early 2000s, late 90s was Limp Biscuit. Yeah. And he said what made Limp Biscuit? It's Fred Durst. He was everywhere. He was in the tabloids. He was dating celebrities. And he was like, like it or not, that catapulted that, catapulted that band to rock star status. Um, and he talked about, Gene Simmons said this too, surprisingly. It was surprisingly insightful. Rappers are the new rock stars. So he talked about, you know, someone like Travis Scott. He's like, Travis Scott's everywhere. You know, he's he doesn't shy away from the media. Now he's the baby daddy of, was it Kendall, Kendall Jenner? Or is it? I don't know. One don't of know. the Jenner sisters. You know, he fathered a kid with them, and that helped boost his popularity. So, um, and he hasn't even been around too long. This is what Asheroll is his second album, and he's just huge. He's everywhere. So he was like, you know, in order for rock stars, they have to be willing to embrace the spotlight, to get out there and be rock stars again. Um, and so I think the only way we're going to see that really is one of these bands coming out. And I think we've seen some try. I think Buck Cherry tried it. Yeah. But it just, you know, they couldn't maintain it. They couldn't keep up that level. So you got to have that mix of talent and that mix of, of bravado. And I'm, I, I really think, like, the last band that really had it, maybe Creed, like, they, the songs were good. They were larger than life. The singer was very arrogant. So he was, you know, he was out there. Maybe, um, I mean, I would throw Linkin Park in there. Yeah, I mean, that's I know the other band changed, I was trying to think of. I know they Lincoln changed Park. a lot from the yeah. Meteora and Hybrid Theory days, but... But no, that was the other band I was trying to think of. Yeah. Like, there was, I was like, there's another band, too. Well, it would have been like... Um, because they had they had a couple of top ten singles, I think. Uh, Panic at the Disco. Ugh. Well, that's not... That's like... Is that... That's, that's the Brandon, rock That's band? the Brandon Uri project, though, at this <laughs> point. 
Because, I mean, they're all gone. Like, everyone except He's for He's the him, only one, right? I think him and the guitar player, and oh. the guitar player might have left. I thought it was only him. But at this point, he's the only person that you see. Yeah. Um, because they all left, and, and that's when he actually started getting really successful. So once again, it goes to what do you define as rock? Because in, in a traditional form, he's releasing pop music. It's, I like them, but he's releasing pop music. Yeah. The same thing that Fall Out Boy is doing. Because I, I probably would have said Fall Out Boy would be that other band that could be huge. Um but like their music isn't really rock anymore. It's just like it's power pop, and yeah. like a lot of the rock elements are gone. You know, it's not. I guess if you're thinking of it in a traditional sense of rock music, a lot of the elements that would make up a rock song are gone. I think in not Infinity on High, but Fully Ado might have been the last rock album they made. After that, they just started. They worked with Butch Walker and just started making like really big stadium pop albums. Which there's nothing wrong with that. They've had a ton yeah. of success doing it, but. You know, so I guess maybe that means we have to change uh, up what we think rock music is. Right. I would say if there's ever a chance of a rock band that we define as rock mm-hmm. to have another popular song in the next year or two would be Green Day. Now, okay. I know their last one when they released like those three together, yeah. like oh, five, six. Three. Yeah, I know that didn't really take off for them like they probably hoped. But <laughs> when you go back to the one before that, wasn't that um, American the one Idiot. They, American Idiot? Yeah, mm-hmm. where they made the whole opera. So, like, for some reason, their fan base goes apeshit for them mm-hmm. whenever they release something. And so they're co- they're coming out with a new album, I think, next year. Mm-hmm. So if if there's ever a band that we would recognize as a rock band that we've known that's been around, I think they'd be able to do it. Okay. I think it also helped. That was a good album, too, though. You got to admit, like, the songs were yeah. well written. And... I got over that one real fast. For real? Uh, American yeah. Idiot. Yeah. Cause I, I got over that album real quick. The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I can't stand that song. I, l- I don't. Well, I mean, I don't really listen. Go out of my way to listen to it either. But like when it came out, you got to admit, like it was. Yeah. It was very imp- to me at least. It was very impressive. The way that I listened to it, because um, I think when that came out, I was doing. Um, we were in West Georgia. I was doing the play. Uh, I was doing the sound design for the play Stop Kiss, and I oh, found okay. all these mashups. Mm-hmm. And the mashup of uh, Boulevard and Broken Dreams with. Flashing lights, no. by okay. flashing lights. That's really the only way I can listen to Boulevard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it only took me like a couple months to get really sick of that album. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. And people listening, you know, we're going off topic here or right. whatever. But it, well, this I mean, is all I think it kind of yeah, yeah, I think it kind of fits because I mean, we saw a rock band in Incubus that probably. I mean, I like to think that some of these people in the industry can kind of see where um, trends are going. And they kind of toned down after Light Grenades. They kind of started, and even really on Light Grenades, they were toning it down. Yeah, I know Anna Molly was on there, but also so was Love Hurts. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they kind of saw like, eh, we see the writing on the wall. Or maybe it was just like, we want to, we're getting older, we want to tone down. I would, I'm leaning towards that, because that album after that, if not now, when, was, my least favorite, a very, I would categorize that as like adult contemporary. Like it was so boring to me. <laughs> I did not like that album. What do you think of Eight? I think I'm one of the few that actually really liked that album. They Pro- had promises, production. promises, right? No, that was oh, uh, that was if not now when. <laughs> okay. I love um, that song. <laughs> so funny. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I wish I could remember which um, website it was. It, it, I say reputable, but they do a lot of reviews. They gave Eight a point five out of five. 
It wasn't Pitchfork, wow. was it? It may have been. That sounds like something. But what annoyed me was reading that <laughs> they gave like this album to a dude who already didn't like Incubus. He was ripping on Make Yourself and Morning View in his review of Eight. And I was like, dude, you didn't like them to begin with, so why yeah. are you even going to – why would you bother? But no, outside of the production of it – Oh, Sputnik like music. The, <laughs> the, the production of Eight was awful, but the songs I really liked. Okay. Um. I didn't know that, uh, like, after Light Grenades, I didn't know until, like, maybe, like, six months after it came out that they had made If Not Now Win. Yeah. And I didn't know about Eight until, like, I don't know. It may have been out for, how long has it been out? Uh, it came out. In 2017. It was yeah. probably, like, a year after it came out that I even knew they made another album. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure there wasn't even... Much of, I don't think there was a single off. Well, there kind of was, but I bet it wasn't played, but maybe like twice <laughs> on a radio station. It's funny because, like, I'm I'm really racking my brain here on this rock question because it is an interesting question. Um, I think of other bands and how they. So you mentioned um, Lincoln Park. They kind of followed the same trajectory. I'm thinking of a band. I think of Train. Now, and I know they're pop mm. rock, but like you know that first album was a very roots rock album. They didn't yeah. sound but like they were me, from California. Well, <laughs> I guess for so with a band like Train, mm-hmm. they're good for one single, but they off went, the album. They went so and pop, then they though. make another album, and it's another big single. Yeah. Like they're yeah. good for yeah. one good song. But they album. went so pop, like that song well, "Calling yeah. All Angels." Like that was <laughs> that was. I think that was supposed to be "Drops of Jupiter" too, because it had the <laughs> <laughs> it had the piano and every and like they just started. Like I went uh, like a few months ago listening to the song what "Cab." Is, what is Soul Sister? Soul Sister was so Soul Sister was the trajectory that old boy from um, Panic at the Disco followed. Because mm. at that point, it was just him, the guitar player, and the drummer, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, let's just grab a ukulele and make a song." I, I mean, I'm not even gonna front. I love that song when it first came out, man. I was, I was humming along, and now I wanna shoot it. <laughs> I, hate, I hate. I feel the same way you feel. <laughs> like I hate. That song, but yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's. Mm. But that is it. That's that. I think that'd be an interesting episode right there, like the because we had the is R and B dead episode. Is rock dead? Is rock dead? Because I mean, it's. Uh, but I mean, like that's every genre when you're not as big as you used to be. Yeah. Like, oh man, is country dead? Nah, man, country's not dead. Um, is rock dead? Uh, I mean, is it popular? Not as popular. But it's still around. People are still making it. Yeah. I, I and we we talked about this before. As far as like what genre is popular at the time, like let's just go back to the mid to late seventies, disco, early eighties, new wave synth mm-hmm. pop, late eighties hair metal, early nineties grunge. Mm-hmm. Late '90s, mid to late '90s, gangster rap. Early 2000s, late '90s, early 2000s, new metal. Yeah, just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then the, uh, the, then the snap music and emo were kind of mm-hmm. top at the same time. And now it's it's trap. It's and I will say this: trap, hip hop, it's holding on very tightly. Um. I think what we're going to start to see, though, I think down tempo is getting way more popular, especially with the song "Bad Guy" by Billie Eilish hitting number one. That is a that is straight out of 
the 90s trip hop style music. And it is in the mainstream now, folks. Like that was <laughs> I think another another thing also that may be attributing to why rock is dead is with like trap music, somebody can make a song from their computer yeah. in their room in a few minutes. Yeah, bury the entry. Yeah. Sell it for thirty dollars. <laughs> and it becomes a hit song. You know, somebody somebody buys it records a song the next day, puts it up on SoundCloud. So in a matter of 24 to 48 hours, mm-hmm. you can make a hit song. While with the rock song, okay, people have to bring in their instruments. Well, you have to you learn the instrument, have, too. You, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, you have to <laughs> learn it. Um, well, in some cases, I mean, the jury's I mean, some, still out Somebody might notes. have an MPC <laughs> and just put different guitar notes That's in there. That's true. It could. Play it or, that the, way. Uh, or the guy from Story of the Year who put down his bass, and the bass line never stopped, so... Jury's still out on some of those bass <laughs> <laughs> Um So it, it there it it takes longer, yeah, to put a song together. Yeah. So logistics are is killing. Rock well, also music. not to mention record companies aren't as trusting of rock acts anymore. So you might be told to go back, and this might be where Mexico came from. We don't hear a single. Like, yeah, you know, we need another. Give us another drive. And did they even release that as a single? No. So like, you, it's like you made what, us go Mexico? back and yeah. yeah. Oh no, that was. It's like you made no. us go back and do this for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I mean, that honestly could be some of what we're hearing with these some of these rock acts now. Um, although I feel like the music now is, is low risk enough to where executives probably aren't meddling in it as much as they you know they they're like we got other people you know we'll we need to focus on the next whatever artist. They're probably not paying as much attention. Uh, and I think, honestly, if you go, um, if you look, you can really, you can find some well-made rock music. Only thing is now, like, the you have to work a little harder to find it. Yeah. You're not going to hear it on the radio. You really got to go dig for it. Um, try to pull up the, the hot rock songs chart. Probably not going to know any of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I will. Number one is... Hey, look, my I made it. So, like, once again, <laughs> how you classify rock, there is, I don't think there's one guitar in that song. Like, they, it, that might be a sample guitar at the beginning, but, like, that's, that is, to me, that's a pop song. And number two is High Hopes, also by Panic in the Disco. <laughs> Guys on top of the world. <laughs> uh, numbers three through seven are all Tool. <laughs> wow. I mean, it makes sense, but... <laughs> uh, number eight is I Think I'm Okay by Machine Gun Kelly. What? what? <laughs> this is the Rock Tracks? This is the Rock Tracks. Wow. MGK's doing Rock... It's okay. Uh, number nine is Cringe by Matt Mason. I don't know who that is. Who the hell is Matt Mason? <laughs> and numbers 10 and 11 and 13 is also Tool. <laughs> so that entire album, basically... <laughs> I wonder if Adam Jones is like, this is why we should have been on streaming. Because <laughs> I, I just, I get the feeling, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel Maynard probably resisted it the most. I don't, I would have said so too, but like, I mean, maybe he really was. Because I don't think he, he had like a, a choice in um, a Perfect Circle. He probably like, I'm, I'm not the, I'm just a, you know. Yeah. Listening to his interviews, he seems like it wasn't his intention to do that. It was just maybe like, I feel like it was a group thing. Oh, for real? Well, because the last time I heard anything, before this album came out and the hype was real with it, 
I listened to uh, him talking. I think it was Joe Rogan. And he, the whole reason he wore like the SWAT vest or the, when he was recording yeah. or when he would play live is because, you know, all the fans kept yelling at him, when's the album going to be done? He's like, I did my part. Tell them to do theirs. Ooh. He, like, they, the, the actual musicians, they needed to lay down their part for the album. So, like, mm. he was good to go, from my understanding, and he gotcha. was waiting on them. Gotcha. So, I feel like it might have been a group thing to be like, hey, guys, let's, let's not put it on streaming. Like, people, make people buy our stuff. Because, <laughs> well, because I know Tom York, and I think all of Radiohead feels this way, but Tom York said um, they want... They don't want you to buy the single because the album is meant to be listened to as a whole. Yeah, like OK Computer, it's meant to be listened to from front. Like, who the fuck is gonna listen to that album from front to yeah. to back? Yeah, some some albums have been doing that. Like, like a Mike Posner album said, uh, you should listen to this from beginning to end without any interruptions. Yeah, because uh, I have that type of time while sitting in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Posner would say. That. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, well, uh, that really throws me off that Panic at the Disco has the number one rock song in the country right and now. And two. Number, number one, one and two. two. Great song, but like, wow, that's just really weird. And Tool is looking like, what's number one and two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. Like, that's where we are now. Okay. But that'll do it for our discussion on um, Incubus' album, Make Yourself, along with if rock is dead or not. And to confirm for you, Matt and and Greg, he is the only member. Okay, that's it. It's it's him. So he's he's like five for fighting. Yeah, it is just him. <laughs> In Owl City, it says current <laughs> members: Brandon Uri, lead vocals, guitar, keyboards, bass, trumpet, percussion, <laughs> everything. He's got to wow. be making bank. They've never been more successful, <laughs> and it's just him. So yeah, remove the noise, I guess. He writes sins, not tragedies, but he cashes checks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, get to my earworm of the week. Uh, this is a song I heard um, a while ago when I first started using Pandora, like because it was part of the some kind of like music DNA project to where you put in a song and then it'll just continuously play other songs that are that sound like that first song. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even play the, the song you typed in. They just start playing other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this song, and I, then I also heard there was this, uh, someone made a list of like the top 10 rap one-hit wonders of the 90s. And I had never heard of this song. Um, it's an artist called Count Bass D. Hmm. I think he's from Detroit. Um, not sure. But he had this, <laughs> he had this and this is a time where... Uh, you weren't allowed to have a sense of humor as a rapper. <laughs> uh, but he has a song called Sandwiches. <laughs> um, but I, li- I like the song, and he kind of, um, uh, what's the word, interpolates the song Wade in the Water. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, with the chorus. So um, it was finally put up on streaming because I only could find it on YouTube. Uh, but it's it's up on if you go to Spotify you can find um, the songs on there now so we put it on streaming I would assume on all streaming services so this song is called Sandwiches parenthesis I got a feeling uh, <laughs> by Count Bass D and we'll be right back yeah on guitar we got that Joe Martin ass you know what I'm saying 
So that is Sandwiches, parenthesis, I Got a Feeling by Count Bass D. <laughs> this is a very interesting album. I will say Pumpernickel's my favorite bread. <laughs> He's, uh, Mark Nash was the drummer for a Christian rock band <laughs> called PFR, and he was married to Lee Bingham Nash of Sixpence None the Richer, which mm. is the lead singer. Talk about six degrees of separation. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some stuff with Herbie Hancock. This is this looks like a pretty interesting album. Yeah, and and he, uh, along with being a rapper, as he, as he said, he, he played all those instruments. Um, so it made him uh, unique. Yeah. But that that didn't last. His lyrics are weird, and uh, you're very quirky. <laughs> <laughs> they they we don't do that in the hip hop community apparently. So <laughs> so this is his only hit. Um, in the loosest sense of the word. Uh, but you can find that song, along with our other earworms, on the BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. So that will bring us to the end of our program. Uh, Matt, if you want to be found, where can people find you? Instagram at Matthew double underscore Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N. That's the only place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, have you done any drum covers lately? No, it's been a while. I need to. I need to start getting back on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, Ben, where can we be found? <clears throat> All right. So, um, sorry, this guy's really interesting. <laughs> Count Mike D. Um, so we can be found uh, first and foremost. We can be found on 
facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. We can be found at our website at www.bythetimeyouhearthis.com. Uh, yeah, we're going to get that updated. We, uh, we, we've been busy and shit, so yeah. And I got married. Ah, ah. So, by the way, thank y'all for not doing all that stuff. That would have been really corny. Like, Ben's getting married. Oh, oh God. That would have been weird. I think that the fact that we didn't even plan a bachelor party for you. <laughs> and everyone wonders, like, did was Ben okay with that? I'm like, yes. I was totally okay with that. I was okay with that. Um, the shot of tequila before the ceremony. That was the bachelor party. That was yeah. it. Yeah. I'm, who suggested that, too? The I bartender. Think, oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. He was a cool – George, I think was his name. He was, he was a cool dude. Um. Yeah, um, side story too. Abe, for some reason, decided to tell my dad what they what he wanted us to do, and I don't know why. Because it's just like he started talking about like he was hinting at strippers. I'm like, don't, oh, don't, no, don't say that to Deacon Watts. Don't say that <laughs> because he's gonna be like, oh, maybe you should stay in. Like, yeah, of course he's gonna think it's a bad idea. <sighs> but anyway, <laughs> so yeah, www. By the time you hear this, dot com. Um, if you want to find us on the gram, hashtag. Um, B-T-T-Y-H-T. Had to think about that for a second. If you want to look up some of our related posts, um, you can find us at By the Time You Hear This, spelled with the letter U, because we're urban. That we are. Um, Same spelling for the email address as well at gmail.com. If you want to listen to us in podcast form, um, and Greg took the busker thing, because I always say busker. So if you want to, um, oh, I'll say this because I know they'll never hear this. If you want to um, listen to us to uh, uh, avoid um, your English um, neighbors who are <laughs> who talk to you at the resort, I'm kidding. They were really nice people, but there are so many English people there. <laughs> it was funny. Um, and apparently, because I was good at music trivia, um, I was not, I could not have been from America as a black man. <laughs> from um, I, I participated in, in music trivia at the pool, um, and I won. And there was a black family that was sitting behind me, and I was leaving, putting on my flip-flops. They asked me where I was from, and I told them Atlanta, Georgia, and they were like, we thought you were from England. You sure do know a lot of songs. What did you win? A painting. (laughs) (laughs) And respect. (laughs) Yeah, it was just, it was weird. It was all very British-related. And I told them, I was like, well, you know, I'm like, I'm a musician, and I I do a music podcast, so, you you know, I research this stuff regularly, so... That's why I know, but like, just like this one guy named Scott, just did not want to let me win. Like he mm. was, he was overly competitive, and I'm just sitting there like, dude, it's okay. He got that one. Let him have that one. It's okay. But I did win. So, um, but if you do want to listen to us on on the go on a podcast, check us out on um, iTunes. If you have an iPhone, if, you, if you're that loser, um, if you've got an Android phone with the Android OS, Android Pie. Just came out. A lot of really cool features. Go check it out. Um, lots of options for you. You've got um, the you know Google 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 Play. No Google Music. My bad. Google Play has the apps. Um, you can listen to us on Castbox, Overcast Radio, um, Satchel Podcast Player, Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, um, Play.fm, which I believe is actually a website. Listen Notes, and we are on the Fi. AKA Spotify, but only the last 100 episodes. So anything yeah. before that, sorry. Um, go to Castbox, I guess. I don't know. 
<laughs> well, Podomatic, maybe. Or Podomatic, yeah. but don't go to Spotify because um, they, they ain't got it. So <laughs> they just don't have it. Um, and yeah, with Listen Notes, I forgot about Listen Notes, uh, but that is a search engine for podcasts. Uh, you can search for something by subject matter. Um, try to keep the um, our show notes uh, detailed enough. So, you know, lots of different keywords. Um, on the last episode, we talked about the Amy Winehouse documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you search Amy Winehouse, you would find our podcast. And if you searched Incubus, uh, you should find this one. Mm-hmm. It may be the first result. Since it's the newest. <laughs> Since yeah. it's the newest one. So, yeah, uh, yeah go to, you can go to listennotes.com for that. Um, well, that'll do it for this particular episode. Um, maybe we could end the episode with the title track. Of yeah. Make there you go. So uh, this is the title track, Make Yourself. It's uh, the seventh track on the album. Um, I, I, I Well, it wasn't a single, so I guess you can put it anywhere. On yeah. the <laughs> like the first or second track. So uh, this is uh, Make Yourself. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. Myself, I'd have fallen apart by now.